This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated. This is from the northwest to the southeast, America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll talk about it and feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on your smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. Good morning. How are you? Good, how are you? Um, you started off knowing, obviously, I had been to Japan yes. for the Tokyo Motor Show. Yes. And you have been to Japan because your son, Stephen, served in the U.S. Navy. Correct. And you got to go visit him out there. And the first thing out of your mouth was, and their fire trucks are so cute. They are. <laughs> They're adorable. Because fire trucks need to be, we're by a fire station here at the radio station. Mm-hmm. There's a fire station next door. I don't see them as cute, the, the American fire trucks. Well, American fire trucks are like 10 times the size of the Japanese fire yeah. trucks. So yeah. you're looking at maybe like a minivan style size. did you experience the traffic in tokyo yeah yeah i didn't drive in there let's just right. put it that oh, way they drive on the other side of the road you know right and you can't read the signs so let's well, say the train yeah, the was stop my sign friend. is universal train was my friend oh yeah, yeah. well that is the easiest way to get around it is cars and taxes are so expensive they put us on the train to go everywhere when we were there yeah um and the train is great it, the people who mess the trains up in tokyo are the americans because you have assigned seating on the trains, and the Americans would sit wherever they wanted. <laughs> Are you talking the bullet train or the regular train? Well, all of them. Okay, because the train I took. Well, did you? T- there's the JR. Oh, we. I, I was on trains all week, so I'm sure I took. I did take the bullet train, which I didn't really notice as being a bullet, but you know. Well, there's three different ones. The, there's a real fast one, a medium, and a slow. Oh well, why would a slow bullet? <laughs> it's like cheaper. A, like, like a the forty-five. <laughs> Like a 45? Yeah. And then the 22 and the 9? Is that what they're called? No, but that works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Driving in Tokyo, they have some of the nicest cars. But uh, Casey, uh, who is the head of product for Toyota, uh, told me the last time I was in Tokyo, two years ago, that the uh, Japanese have a real problem with their vehicles because the tax on your vehicle increases every year. Wow. And when it becomes seven years old, it's actually not viable to keep a vehicle because the tax becomes so high. So they get rid of them at seven years old. They sell them to Indonesia um, and other countries that take their secondhand cars and they buy new ones. So that's why when you're in Japan, almost every car you see on the road is no more than two or three years old. Yeah, that makes sense. And they are small. They have the, the car companies that you know we know of, but we don't really uh, see on the roads in America, like Isuzu and Dahatsu uh, and all these people. Yeah. Dahatsu is part of Toyota, I guess. But Isuzu and uh, they have the tiniest vehicles that I think you don't actually have to park. You can put them in your pocket and walk <laughs> to your appointment. Pretty much. Did they, you see the parking that they have that's elevated? Yes. Well, they have that in New York, too. Oh, well. These cars are so uh, small, they look like, envision like a matchbox car yes, that's exactly stacked in the little racks. It's like a matchbox car holder. Yes, exactly. And they stack them on top of each <laughs> other with little hoists. Yep. 
the the thing is, though, Americans, well, when they brought the uh, Toyota Tundra, I think it was, to America for the first time, the Japanese got it all ready and they, they designed it and everything. They had to increase the size of the seats <laughs> because <laughs> Americans were too wide yeah. to sit in the, uh, in the Tundra. Yeah. So the seats were wider for the American market. I don't know if the Tundra's actually sold anywhere apart from America. I'd have to check that out. But their vehicles are tiny. And they have a lot of these little utility vehicles, which perhaps could be, be sort of uh, street cleaners and garbage people. Mm -hmm. They're these tiny trucks that are a quarter of the size of the studio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're small. And they are very small. And someone yeah. would hop into it. And they oftentimes are electric. They're, like the go they're almost like little golf carts. Yeah. And uh, they... they a little know, more horsepower. Yeah. You would not get a Malibu, a 1977 Malibu, down some of the streets in, no. in Japan. No. They're just too wide. You get two vehicles down there. <laughs> Oncoming traffic. Did you guys go to where they have the Tokyo Square, where they did in the Drift movie? Shabuya Crossing. Yes. Yes. We did go to Shabuya Crossing. In did fact, you? I did my TV segment from Shabuya Crossing. Did you? Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. that um, so it's an interesting crossing because traffic and pedestrians uh, look like they're going. It's very organized. Everything in Japan is very organized. Yes. But it looks like everybody's coming from every direction at the same time. So if it's uh, from the Fast and Furious movie, if you're familiar with Tokyo Drift, that was actually number filmed three. there. Yeah. Number three. Yeah. yeah, it was filmed there. Um, Did you guys race across, try to beat the cars? No, didn't try to uh, get myself killed in traffic, <laughs> if that's what you're asking, Jen. No, no, I didn't. I was, we I did. was quite orderly it in was Japan. Fun. In Japan, you follow the lights. Yes, you do. And you do what you're told, because if you don't, you, you get, get whacked with a large wooden stick, which the policemen seem to carry everywhere. Uh, yes, they're very yeah. orderly. Yes, they um, And they do everything very appropriately, and their vehicles don't fail, and they, you know. They're, they're well very made. courteous drivers, too. If you, if someone is trying to cross the street, they will literally stop and they will turn their lights out. Yes. So that the pedestrian can cross the street without being blinded. Yeah, I didn't witness that, but we were riding around in coaches quite a lot of the time because we went to the Olympic venue and several other places. We rode around in coaches and the coaches were kind of interesting because they don't fit a lot of places. So the coach driver would pull into the front of the hotel every night. And we'd get out and go upstairs. And then he'd have to do like a six-point turn to get out of the hotel. Like he'd... Yep. And the Japanese, when you have a coach, something the size of the coach, even when you pull up in front of a hotel, there's like five people with parking. And they're holding these, like, like what they bring, you know, when you're at the airport, they right. bring the airplane in with. And they're like, you know, all this sort of thing. And then, <laughs> and then they cross it when it's time to stop and... Um, yeah, they're very... Where did you guys stay? Uh, the Strings Intercontinental, which was... <laughs> did right. they have twin beds? Uh, it's probably the biggest hotel. Yeah. Um, with the most spacious hotel in Tokyo. And still the size of my thumbnail. Yeah, yeah. It's tiny. I mean, it was it was high-end, high-end, but it was tight. All right, packed show today. We're going to talk to Thomas Micah from the Fast Lane Car about a new Atlas Sports Cross, or sport, Cross Sport, I should say. Super Duty is in our future, as well as more about the Tokyo Motor Show. All coming up on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. Catch up with previous episodes of the show and on our website. You can find it at Auto 
expert.com hear all the past shows see our automotive videos and read inside car stories about your next ride you'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com one of the things that is starting to happen it may be due to uh, the government or costs of transportation but a lot of car companies have started to manufacture vehicles in the United States Uh, these car companies include uh, Toyota Mazda Subaru they the first one to ever get uh, the Subaru uh, production going or the first Subaru ever to be produced it's uh, Lafayette Indiana is where they produce a lot of the Subarus uh, was the legacy and of course there's a new legacy now uh, made in Lafayette so a lot of cars are made in the United States in the south which is kind of cool Uh, car companies are opening new factories Toyota are working with Mazda to open a joint factory in the next few months Um, well start building it I guess in the next few months it won't open for about three years time Uh, they're going to start to build that so a lot of car companies deciding that manufacturing in the United States is better we also watched a lot of manufacturers move their production from Mexico back to the United States uh, which is kind of good for the company good for the country I guess the idea being that uh, they have access to all the parts which are built in the United States here in the factories Uh, even companies like Honda have built several factories in Ohio and one of the things that you can do in Ohio where they built the factories it's basically four hours to uh, any major city or any major rail line in the United States from where they built their factories right in the middle now one of the reasons I've asked many times is why are vehicles built where they're built perhaps it could they could be built um, in Oregon or Washington or or on the west coast well one of the things is that imagine things like tires so car tires are made in Georgia uh, wherever they're made they have to be shipped to the factory to be put on the wheels and so one of the things with car tires is why would you ship car tires all the way to the west coast then put them on a vehicle and then ship the vehicle all the way back to the East Coast where about uh, 60% of the vehicles are built. So it's interestingly enough, most vehicles are actually built on the uh, on the East Coast. One of the new vehicles that is built on, on the East Coast uh, in Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, is the new cross, uh, well, the new VW. So we are familiar with the Atlas. You've driven the Atlas, uh, yes. Jen? You've, you've driven the Atlas, uh, familiar with the Atlas. Mm-hmm. They came out with a new version of the Atlas called the Cross Sport. And joining us on the phone, Tommy Micah is uh, here from the Fast Lane Car. And Tommy and I went to see the vehicle unveiled at the Chattanooga factory. Um, there was an, an awful lot of politicians and applauding, Tommy, wasn't there, when they unveiled this vehicle? Yeah, Nick, it was nuts. I mean, it, it felt like they were unveiling a new Capitol building and uh, less of a new vehicle. <laughs> yeah, the, I always think it's interesting when you have, for instance, the the governor of Tennessee was there, Mr. Lee, and as soon as as soon as you you know anyone mentions his name, he would stand up and wave to the crowd. How cute! And they mentioned his name like eight times before they actually introduced <laughs> him. So he kept standing up, and then they have to every time a different politician got up to. Uh, to talk on stage he had to get come on stage and shake hands with everyone that was already on stage and so that you know that took 20 minutes of course not really but it felt like it <laughs> uh, anyway <laughs> we're here to talk about the vehicle i guess more than anything else uh this is an interesting segment tommy so there are things like the honda um passport which is in this segment the 
Um, I guess what else? The the Ford uh, Edge is in this segment. This is sort of the is big enough to have a third row, but has a two row. And the crossboard is taken off the Atlas, and instead of having three rows, they made it uh, gave it a coupe back end and decided to give it two rows. Um, so it's, it's more like your wagon style. Yeah, it, it, sort yeah. of. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say that it, this is for a different lifestyle. But I don't think sales have been that hot in this segment, have they? So you get a big SUV that doesn't have the third row. Uh, things like the the Passport and the Edge, uh, they, they sell okay, but they're not big, big sellers, are they? Well, and the vehicle they kept coming back to in the uh, presentation was the Grand Cherokee. And, you know, the Grand Cherokee has been one of America's staples for hauling families across country, you know, for, uh, you know, well over 20, 25 years now. So Volkswagen, I think, wants part of that market. And an affordable way to do that is instead of coming up with an entirely new platform, they took the Volkswagen Atlas. And just like you mentioned, it's on the same wheelbase. It's the same basic vehicle. But rather than having kind of a more traditional squared off rear end, they, they added some sportiness to it. So it's got a new steering wheel over the Atlas. It's got a different front end. You know, it's got standard uh, large wheels. I believe they're 20s or 21s, which is which is a, a really big wheel. So so basically what they did is, is they, they took the Atlas formula and they kind of just desegmented it into a smaller class. I think the 20s are standard, the 21s are available. The other thing that they've sort of done is they've given away what the new Atlas would look like because what yeah. they've changed in the this this vehicle, what they changed in the Cross Sport is probably what they're going to do in the in the regular Atlas when it comes around. So new front end, new back end, new steering wheel, um, new software, those type of things. So it's kind of like uh, when they show the new Atlas, the new three-row, which will probably be next year sometime, it's kind of like a... Or already seen it in the crossboard. Uh, do you do you think that this is going to be a big seller for for VW? You know, it's such a competitive class right now. I mean, I, I like to think that the uh, the rising tide kind of raises all ships. So, as more and more Americans switch from sedans to SUVs, that uh, the market just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But the question is, can they uh, regain market share from you know big players like the Ford Edge and the new Grand Cherokee? And we've seen you know mules running around of, of the new Grand Cherokee and even the larger Wagoneers. So it's going to be a, it's going to be hard to attract buyers. And honestly, Nick, I, I don't really know why you would buy the Atlas Crossport over the standard Atlas because in person, it's an absolutely massive car. It, it rides on, like I, I mentioned, the same platform. So at some point I figured just get the seven feeder one. You can use it as a five feeder if you want, but you have that added versatility when you need it. I am right with you on that page. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the crossboard. I think it looks good, uh, but I think also that why do it? And unless the price is considerably different, and we don't know that price quite yet because uh, we haven't right. driven it. That's the one thing we haven't done, and we haven't uh, we haven't got sort of the basic coming to market details on the vehicle as well. I think overall the seven seater versions of these vehicles, like the Subaru Ascent, like the Telluride from Kia, like the Palisade from Hyundai, uh, that is probably an even more crowded segment. But I uh, going to five seater, and then I also consider this, Tommy, when I look at it, 
is that Ford have an ST version of the Edge where uh, there is just um, kind of the V6 or the four-cylinder engines in this. The, the, the Sports or the R version of this will only have trim level improvements and no engine improvements, well, this, right? It says, yeah, it has two engines. Yeah. And so then its towing capacity is 5,000. Right, but there's no right. there's no ST version, right. and even which there is in the Ford. I, although... I think the ST version, the Edge, I don't know if you'd agree, Tommy, is is interesting but not necessary. Well, Nick, it, it, does it matter when Jeep has a 707-horsepower Grand Cherokee? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, but now you're talking price point, you yeah. know. So, right, of course. Yeah. But I would rather have pay $96,000 for a Jeep Trackhawk <laughs> than I would for I buy two five-seater five uh, Atlas Crossboards. Wouldn't you, Jim? Yeah, and you know you're absolutely right. And and if, the one they showed at in Chattanooga was the R line, you know, and they they're debuting. We should also mention a new logo and also a new R line badge on this model, but it still has the same 276 horsepower, 3.6 V6 as as an Atlas or a standard. So I mean, it, it looks like a a more sporty version, but. We'll be curious to see down the road, um, you know, are they going to electrify it? Are they going to somehow add more performance? I think they they do have the capacity to do that. Will they do it? Um, Probably only if this one sells. Tommy, where can we uh, watch your videos? Yeah, for sure. We're on YouTube, TFL Car, the fast lane car. And we also have a website, tflcar.com. All right. Tommy's awesome. Uh, Go watch some of his videos because they're highly entertaining. Tommy (laughs) Micah from the Fastlane Car, thanks for joining us on our Auto Expert today. The vehicle will go on sale uh, sometime towards the end of the year, the beginning of next year. You'll be able to uh, go test drive it for yourself. If you're looking for a five-seater large SUV with a sexy sport bag. More coming up on our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, they all help you start the conversation with us. OurAutoExpert.com is the website. You can find us on TV, on your radio, on your smart speaker, and on digital. Uh, we are we have been talking about several things today, including uh, just talked about the new um, VW Sport Across Sport. But I also want to talk about what those vehicles will be worth in the future. So you buy a vehicle today, and what will it be worth? The the Jeep Grand, or the, sorry, the Jeep Wrangler retains its value better than any other vehicle, according to a new study from some luxury sedans all the way to plug-ins. Uh, they could be money pits for you, according to an online market survey by iccars.com. The average five-year depreciation of a car sold in 2014 is 49.6%, but the best value did much better than that. The four-door Jeep Wrangler Unlimited topped the list with a depreciation of just 30%, and the two-door Wrangler lost only 31.5% in its value. This despite the fact that they were were replaced by all new models in 2018. Now, Jeep, uh, their followers uh, have, you know, many uh, opportunities to buy different versions of that. The number two and number three in the survey, can you guess what they were? 
You're right, Toyota. The Tacoma was uh, 32%, the Tundra is 35.9%, and the Forerunner, which is in the fourth position, is 36.5%. Honda's Ridgeline and Nissan Frontier pickup also made the top 10 list in seventh and ninth, ninth position with the Porsche 911 and G Nissan GTR, Subaru Impreza WRX sports car in the sixth, eighth, and tenth position. So, what are they? Let's go from the bottom to the top. At number 10, it's the Subaru Impreza WRX, which lost 40%. Remember, that's 10% below the average. Nissan's Frontier, 39.5%. It lost over the first five years. The Nissan GTR, which now makes it much more viable for me to buy because I've been thinking about spending $100,000 on an all-wheel drive two-seater. No, I haven't. I'm just lying to you. Hey, we had it here uh, not too long ago. We did have it here not too long ago. Eighth position mm -hmm. at 39.4%. Uh, number seven, the Honda Ridgeline at 38%. 8.1%. Uh, Porsche's 911 is number six. The, then the, the Toyota 4Runner, the Tundra, uh, onto the Tacoma. And then the Wrangler, uh, and one and two. So the worst car in the whole list, yeah, the uh, Chevy Silverado. I'm kidding. I just did that to, to get your reaction. No, Jen's eyes no, went right back in her No, head. I was going to say, I know for a fact I didn't write that. <laughs> uh I don't know what is uh, the, the last on the list. I should go back to the survey and have a look. But it's kind of interesting that uh, the Wrangler guys are the most fanatical, mm -hmm. and yet their cars last the longest, mm -hmm. or they they appreciate they don't de they depreciate the slowest. I should say, not the last the longest. Depreciate the slowest, which is kind of interesting. Now, I uh, I have a Toyota product as one of my personal vehicles. I was quite shocked. At paying $48,000 for a brand new car in 2016, and I sold it in 2018, and it was only worth $19,000. <laughs> so yeah. shortness of breath set in immediately. Yeah, so but I won't, Jeeps, I won't be doing that Jeeps are, you know, sought out yeah. vehicles, especially here in the Northwest. Uh, I think I might, uh, Wrangler might be in my future. Oh, they're, go they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My sister had one for years. Until literally the wheels fell off. <laughs> the one thing about the Wrangler up until the 2018 version, I think they're actually going to hold their value much better coming into the future, is the 2018 version was such a massive milestone in, in quality of ride compared to those before. You know, we loved the way they always looked. We loved the way that they operated. We loved the capability off-road. You know, they were only compared to Land Rover and, uh, and the ride. You would have numb bum syndrome. <laughs> I'm telling you, you got into one of those things and you would ride it and it would be uncomfortable for yeah. more than like a 20 minute ride. I, uh, I really like the new look that we yeah. just drove it run to the sun yeah, and so had it, the big subwoofer and everything in yeah, the back. It, the look they've kept pretty much the same. They've angled the grill a little bit mm -hmm. differently. Uh, they've changed the slat slots, widened it width a little bit. And they changed the top. They have different roof options. Yeah. I think now you can get it, you can purchase it. At purchase, you can buy it with all three roof options. So that's kind of cool. And we yeah. learned that the doors are lighter weight. Yes, and you can take them on and off. Yeah. And there's only four bolts to put the windshield in. Yeah. It's a good buy. I can't knock anybody that wants to buy a Wrangler. No, I, my gorgeous. sister's looking for a new car, and that was my recommendation to her is to buy the new Wrangler, so we'll just see. Uh, we want to talk a bit about trucks coming up on the show. We want to talk about the new Ford Super Duty. Uh, Tom Somerville 
is going to be joining us to talk about that. Of course, Ford rolled out at the Texas State Fair or the State Fair of Texas. I'm not sure what the correct verbiage is. That they can actually tow most in its class now than any other Super Duty. Yeah, I heard so, about that. They uh, showed up Chevy. A little bit. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that coming up on our Auto Expert plus the Tokyo Motor Show. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I was at the State Fair of Texas or the Texas State Fair. I never remember which yeah, That's all your deep fried food stories, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know what? The deep fried stuff wasn't open when I was there. Oh, thank God. No, no. No heart attacks for you. It was the biggest <laughs> disappointment in my life. I'm sorry. Uh, but we did get to see a bunch of new trucks unveiled by different automakers. And uh, we, although uh, know much about the uh, Ford Super Duty, uh, they had some interesting numbers available for the Ford Super Duty. And on the phone with us is Tom Somerville from uh, Ford. He's the Super Duty manager. And uh, that's kind of cool, uh, by the way, Tom, to be the Super Duty manager. I it's love It's almost that. like a, an adjective, you know, rather than a title. <laughs> Tom's the Super Actually, Duty manager. You're missing one quick word. It's the brand manager. I oversee the brand and the marketing of the truck. I'm not the overall manager of all Super Duty. I do, no, I, be a very cool job. I think you should ask for the title for Super yeah. Duty manager. I'll, Super I'll, Duty. I'll talk to the Ford family, see if we can make that happen. <laughs> Um, you know, thank you. I would appreciate that. And at least having super in your title is probably awesome. And manager, super manager, uh, <laughs> super do you, duper manager. Do you have Do you have to perform harder than any other manager? Being yes, I super- do. Exactly. <laughs> my, my my level of effort has to match the capability of our truck, so that's more than everyone else. Pow! All right. So tell us the story. Tell us how you shamed all the other automakers in Texas. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's actually been a, a pretty exciting year for Super Earlier this year. We revealed to the public the all-new 7.3 gas V8, the third-generation Power Stroke, the all-new 10-speed transmission. And then, as you were just mentioning, about a month ago, we, uh, at the State Fair of Texas, finally revealed some more capability numbers. So, with the 2020 Super Duty, you can get best-in-class towing of over 37,000 pounds, best-in-class payload of 7,850 7, pounds. And then, we also revealed the horsepower and torque uh, of our diesel engine. So, 470 horsepower horsepower and 1050 foot pounds of torque so the first wow. engine to break the kilo torque barrier so I, I just I just want to set the scene for everybody <laughs> so there is this road like you sort of loosely call it a road it's a walkway stroke road at the at the fair and on this road is kind of automotive row. So you start at the beginning with automakers who have their displays, their tents, their stages, their uh, all their vehicles on display. And you go from the beginning all the way down to the end and on each side, each automaker. And during the press days for the auto show portion of the State Fair, uh, automakers go one after the other with probably about a five, ten minute gap in between. And they make announcements and they unveil cars and they talk about how they've done, how they're going to do and what they've got new coming. And so there's one after the other and they they tend to be well organized and they're all great. Uh, There's always lots of great product and great information uh, that comes out, and all the journalists from all over the country go from one press conference to the other. And so there is the Chevy press conference, and Chevy have a massive trailer with an anvil on it, and on the anvil it says 35,500. 
<laughs> and they roll this out with a press conference and cheers and music and, you know, VPs waving and, you know, telling us how it's best. And then right after that is the Ford press conference and Ford roll out a big truck that says 37,000 pounds. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I did, I think Chevy drove their truck out the back and set fire to it at the end of that. <laughs> I, I love how the rival continues year after year after it, year. It's would, great. Would you think that, I don't know, did you guys do it on purpose to sh publicly shame them? No, actually, we had no idea that they were doing that until <laughs> the day before the show. And, then we, and we had you know, very similar trailers, as you were mentioning, uh, also with big letters written on it. So, no, we, we had no idea they were doing that, though. That's but, funny. You know, one other cool piece of news, though, is that although that is you know our max tow vehicle, uh, an interesting part of 2020 Super Duty is the fact that every single one configuration, F-250, 350, and 450, will all have improved capability with towing and payload. So, well, yeah, you know, you'll see very unique configurations with that maximum, you know, 35.5 for that competitor or 37,000 for us. We have made improvements across every single truck for 2020. Now, that's great. And you guys tend to push the bar. But there is this, and I need to call you out on this, there is this <laughs> considerable gap between the introduction of the truck and the announcement of the truck and the unveiling of the truck and then the numbers portion of the truck. So yeah. I ran into Michael Levine at uh, the Chicago Auto Show in which the truck was on display and everybody was talking about it, but there was no numbers available. And it almost looks like if I was a you know journalist that was looking for a story here, it almost looks like everybody unveiled their trucks at the same time and Ford waited until all the other numbers came out before they gave us their numbers. It looks a bit suspicious, I have to tell you, Tom. I, I can understand that. I can appreciate that as well. You know, we stick to our cadence of refreshes and, and uh, you know, revealing of public information. You know, over the course of the year, we have... Uh, engage in many go-fast products, and, including the Tremor, bringing the Tremor off-road package to market. And so, you know, there are many actions that we took over the, the course of the year that uh, also contributed to us waiting to reveal our numbers. So it, it's actually a cadence that we established, not just at the beginning of this year, but it was all planned and, and you know, it just happened to be according to timing that we were going to be the third of them to do so. But typically, this is around the time of the year, back in 2017, same situation where we uh, revealed our capability for our new truck. So it's not, not out of the ordinary for Ford, especially for truck and Super Duty, to reveal their numbers at the State Fair of Texas. And if there's anybody that doesn't need to do shenanigans, it's Ford, because you've clearly right. had the F-Series has been, I don't want 42 years has been the number one selling vehicle in the United States? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we have, we've been the best-selling truck for 42 years and the best-selling vehicle overall for 37 years. So, you know, we've just built on some of the insights that we have gathered from our customers and are we're trying to channel that into the best possible truck we can build. And uh, we're very proud of the truck we're bringing for 2020. So let's, let's specifically talk about the Super Duty. What's new on the exterior? So all new front and all new rear, included in that are the bumpers. Every single grill has been refreshed. All the headlamps are refreshed, all new wheels. Uh, but then, you know, the biggest parts of the story have to do with the powertrain. So the, uh, the all-new 7.3-liter gas V8 is designed from the ground up for both Super Duty and Medium Duty. That's coming new for 2020. This third-generation power stroke, a uh, ton of work done to it, new heads, new pistons, new turbo, uh, and then, of course, the all-new 10-speed torque shift transmission. So, yes, 
uh, refreshed exterior, but a lot of the good and, and, and new news that our customers are really going to value is actually under the hood. Uh, and then finally, I don't know if you're familiar with Coachella Backup Assist. It's a feature we've had on F-150 for a couple of years now, but it's finally coming to Super Duty. And basically, it allows you to, by turning a knob on your dash, uh, back a trailer up. And so when you turn the, the knob to the right, your trailer will also go to the right. And it lets you back a trailer up pretty much indefinitely. So great new future that we're really also excited to bring uh, to Super Duty for 2020. That's pretty awesome because I'm I'm really get, I have uh, Airstream constantly contact me and say, hey, we'd love you to go take one of our trailers for a weekend and put your five dogs in it and go up somewhere. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a towing guy. I mean, there are guys in the world that can tow and they can tow massive, great, you know, diggers on the back of their vehicles or bulldozers or whatever it might be. I love my trucks, but I'm not a good towing guy. Seven point three liter. Seven point three liter, yeah, Jen. That's, yeah. More, that's more, you know, that's more coffee than Jen drinks in a day. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, wow. I'm just looking at it, going, that's pretty cool. Now let's talk about the interior because one of your competitors has spent a lot of time and a lot of energy on uh, bringing up the quality of their interior, including a 12 inch display. Is that going to follow suit eventually in the F150? Uh, so we I can't talk about future products uh, or future product actions, but for 2020, we brought a whole slew of new refreshed colors and materials on the interior. Uh, on the interior, so if you look at some of our highest trims, new headliners, uh, new seat colors, new new wood grain, new inserts, and we have a, a refreshed uh, Bang and Olufsen thousand watt sound system in it as well. That's that's not bad. Changes also coming to the interior. You know, uh, I did spend some time for Fox doing a story on uh, Ford's interiors. You guys go above and beyond to test the materials on the insides of your vehicles, right? To make sure that uh, they don't wear out. If especially for things like trucks, when people are getting in and out of them with gloves on, with blue jeans on, you go and make sure that those interiors remain the same over the uh, longevity of the vehicle. Yeah, you know, that's absolutely true. And one thing that's really important that you also mentioned is the fact that you can access all of our controls within the truck while using work gloves. So we definitely put a lot of intention and, and we spend a lot of time making sure that the interior is not only comfortable and spacious, but also, you know, very flexible. So if you have, you know, your, your uh, you know, bulky outdoor jacket on in winter, for example, and you're using gloves, you can still comfortably, you know, uh, manage all the controls and and operate the vehicle even with you know when, when you're all bundled up for say you know winter weather or coming off the job site. Now with a 7.3 liter to a diesel engine, uh, are you are you managing to keep the environmental impact low? <laughs> so so uh, fuel economy is not something that uh, the heavy duty truck space trucks with a gross vehicle weight weighing over 8,500 pounds uh, have to report on. Well, you have soy seats, right? So you're helping out there. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have several different options of leather and vinyl uh, and cloth, but you know, we don't have soy seats. I, I think that would actually what? be a first in the auto industry. Yeah. Oh, so, not so, in the trucks. So Ford developed them for their cars. I'm not sure oh. soy seats were developed for their uh, vehicle. Oh. Where, where's, the, uh, where's the Super Duty built? So Super Duties are built in Kentucky truck uh, plant in outside Louisville, Kentucky, and Ohio Assembly, which is in Avon Lake, Ohio. So we're very proud to, to build uh, all of our trucks right here in the U.S. of A. Uh, you know something? I, I have a TV station in Louisville, so maybe what we'll do is we'll come down and we'll grab some, uh, we'll get some trucks and we'll go take them into the TV station and uh, and show them off because they love their trucks in Louisville. They, they absolutely do. 
Uh, American built trucks, most of Ford's trucks are built in America, aren't they? I think if not all of them. Yeah, exactly. So the Rangers built at Michigan Assembly uh, right here in Michigan. F-150s are built at Dearborn Truck in Dearborn, Michigan, and the Kansas City Truck Plant outside of Kansas City. So, yeah, we're, we're very proud that all of our trucks are built right here in the U.S. So now you've topped everybody else. Is the game plan to just keep on top of the, uh, the competition, or are we going to see a Ram come up with like 38,000 pounds? <laughs> well, I, I can't really tell what Ram is going to do. However, we uh, are, are relentlessly pushing the bar forward and trying to serve our customers the best we can. Uh, and you can see that not just through our capability, but with some of the new packages, as I was mentioning, the all-need summer off-road package. So we're keep on uh, continually innovating and trying to, to build the best possible trucks to help our customers get the job done. All right, when are we going to see these in dealerships? Uh, you'll start seeing them in about a month or so. So... Yeah, it, it, by, by the end of the year, you'll definitely start seeing them on dealer lots. All right, we'll look forward to it. Thanks for spending some time talking to us today about the new uh, F, uh, F2, 350, and 450 Super Duty. Uh, these vehicles, I will tell you, uh, I soon they'll be able to tow houses. It seems to be getting absolutely <laughs> incredible about the amount of uh, weight that they can actually uh, tow. Uh, presumably, we can find out more information, Tom, at Ford.com. Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole host of information on Ford.com, uh, and you can anticipate seeing the new building price website coming up in the next two weeks. So customers will be able to go on to Ford.com and build and price their 2020 Super Duty. Perfect. And Jen's very happy now because we talked about trucks for a while. Yes. She's not happy in the show unless we talk about <laughs> Exactly. Trucks. We have to have one truck segment. Tom, <laughs> Tom, Tom, thanks for joining us. Coming up on the show, we're going to go and visit Tokyo. Not literally, but Perry Stern's going to be joining us from MSN and our auto expert to talk about our trip to Tokyo and the Tokyo Motor Show, which only happens every two years. We got to see some of the futuristic vehicles that will be on the street in the next 10, 20, and 30 years. We also got to see some unveiling of vehicles and what's going to be happening at the 2020 Olympics. We'll talk all about that coming up as our auto expert continues. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. We'll go back to the show, of course, as we tell you every single week. We're locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest and southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, joined in this second hour by uh, Megan, mommytravels.net, and Jen, truck, our truck girl, who's here. I'm very happy that we got to talk about the uh, Ford Super Duty. The Tokyo Motor Show is uh, just winding up, and we got to spend a few days there. And Perry Stern is joining us on the phone from our auto expert and MSN auto as uh, as he was in Tokyo now Perry we went with different manufacturers to the event and I think we saw each other for about 10 minutes but we probably both saw very different things didn't we we probably did but we probably liked a lot of the same things too I'm guessing right so you went and had a look at a lot of the Nissan products what did Nissan show at the show so Nissan had a couple of concept vehicles uh, one of which is pretty important. It's called the Aria, and it's showcasing Nissan's plans on heading to more electric vehicles. And this one is a, it's a crossover, surprise, surprise, uh, since everything is a crossover now. But it's uh, fully electric, twin motors, so it would be four-wheel drive. And uh, it has, you know, kind of an advanced interior. And from what we're hearing, this car is getting pretty close to production. 
All right. So interestingly enough, it looks nice. And I would say I could count like five or six of nice looking cars that I saw at the Tokyo Auto Show. But boy, manufacturers can make some ugly cars. <laughs> boy, that's the truth. They do make yes. some crazy stuff. Yes. <laughs> Even manufacturers, which I really like generally, when they make cars for different markets that probably won't come to the United States, I look at these things going, it's like the nastiest, squarest box you, you go, could possibly imagine. I always and go, that color. Ew, <laughs> yep. what you know, were they thinking? <laughs> look how some people dress. I mean, you just never know. Yeah, that's true. To each their own. We can, we're going to name those off in the next Okay, but I show. really like the Aria. Yeah, so I tell like me, tell me about what you know about the Aria, uh, Perry. So what what we know is that it's you know like I said when you if you've looked at any of the concept cars that Nissan has shown over the last couple of years that always said you know this is a look at our future this one actually looks production ready inside as opposed to these others that had very advanced interiors you know that said it's got uh, you know a double display screen which we're starting to see on a lot of different vehicles yeah uh, and the interesting thing is it's got haptic controls uh, which basically. They don't, there's not a button that pushes, but they electronically feel like they pushed when you touch them. And they're embedded in the wood trim along the, the front, uh, underneath the screens. Yeah, so you and push so a little... It's, you it's push a really a, nice integration. Yeah, you push a, a light, basically, and then the light gives you a little feedback, and, uh, and then something happens, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's like having a button, but not having a button, which gives you all sorts of options on style and, you know, and placement as well. All right, so this, uh, this is electric, and it has two electric motors. It does. So if one on the front, one on the back, uh, and this gives it you know, not only four-wheel drive, but it gives the ability, you know, the system can manage the, the power going to either wheel uh, or either uh, front or back much better, uh, which gives it a little better, better handling on drive pavement as well as on you know, snowy, icy roads. And so it's showing that an electric car, you know, can be used, you know, it's, it's not just for, you know, driving around when the weather's nice. Now, one of the things that, of course, has limited the electric car is the range and the recharging time. So did Nissan have the range and recharging times down for the Aria? They were not ready to talk about that just yet. Uh, this is still, you know, still pretty advanced, but, you know, they hinted that it's, it's, it's easily going to be over 200 miles, I believe. Right. Um, and so this, I mean, it's, it's definitely a car that, you know, we're still, you know, we're still to the point that electric cars can't quite replace the, the gasoline cars just because they take a while to charge and they do have a limited range as the range gets bigger and there's better, you know, uh, I guess infrastructure for more ways to charge your car, it's going to become less of an issue. And this may be part of, you know, part of that run of new electric cars coming that might make sense as an everyday car. Do you uh, do you have any idea when we might see an, a production-ready unveiling of this vehicle? Is it going to be in the next six months, the next year, the next two years? I would say based on you know what we've heard, I would say within the next year we should be able to see them. Um, so so maybe it's, it's, it's definitely close. Hold our breath for a Chicago Auto Show or New York or something like that? It's possible. You never know. <laughs> uh, do you think they'll Do you think they'll produce it in in the states? Is this American ready vehicle, or have they said you know it's only ready for uh, other places in the world? I believe this would be worldwide. So this, you know, uh, I believe this car would be sold in America, and I think that's part of the reason. You know, it's a crossover. And, you know, crossovers are so so uh, sought after in America that if you're going to come out with a brand new model, it kind of makes sense to do that. 
one of the things that I don't know if you noticed, but right outside, and they had the, the Nissan, uh, I think it was Formula E race car out there with a new race livery. They showed that off. Yeah. But one of the things right opposite the Nissan stand was the, uh, the stand for um, Renault. And I don't know if you noticed this, but Renault had two vehicles on their stand. They're a very small company in Japan. And both vehicles were a slightly different yellow which made me so uncomfortable for the whole day. <laughs> when, you, when you put two cars together and they're just like two shades different, but, and you think like, did someone screw up somewhere? Did someone like, It really bothered you it all day. It bothered me all day. Oh my gosh. Every time I walked past it, it like, totally bothered me. That's awesome. Um, Perry, what was your favorite thing that you saw at the show? I have to say one of my favorites was the Mitsubishi concept. You know, oh, Mitsubishi's yeah. shown us some really crazy stuff over the years that just, I mean... They're just silly. They just don't make any sense. Uh, but this one looked, you know, they're not going to build it. It's too far. You know, it's it's just crazy. But it's it's like a Jeep, but it's a uh, two-seater, open top, all fully electric, uh, and so with four-wheel drive, you know, and it looks like it would just be a blast. Uh, I mean, I think it looks like it's a blast, too. Very similar. VW had something similar earlier this year that they showed off that I thought was absolutely outstanding as well. Unfortunately, I think these things probably don't make much financial sense to actually produce because they probably wouldn't sell enough of them yep. to, do, to get the production going. So that kind of uh, is, is a sad portion of it. Did you uh, see the Lexus? LF30. Oh, Jen, you're jumping ahead already. I'm sorry. We've got another it's, segment with okay, Perry. It's, it's We're just gonna so get to weird talk about, looking. It's, it's very weird looking, but it's also awesome. And I have to tell you, I may have driven something which had a similar name, but what? I'm not allowed to talk about it. Oh. Uh, we're we're going to come back. Perry's going to still join us. We're going to talk more about what happened at the Tokyo Motor Show. That's on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. So catching up on previous episodes of the show, you can do that at our website. It's ourautoexpert.com. You can hear the past shows. You can see our automotive videos and read inside car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, Megan is here at mommytravels.net along with a car or truck girl, Jen, as we like to call her because she she, uh, she, does she likes trucks. She likes <laughs> trucks. She changes her own tail lights. Uh, Perry Stern's still on the phone with us, and Perry is from, of course, our auto expert and MSN.com. Uh, Perry, so did you have experiences in Tokyo that you that will stay with you forever? Um, I suppose so. I, I imagine the. Uh, typhoon that we had to drive through to get to the airport was probably the most exciting i was thinking of that and some of the weird things that wriggle when you eat them but uh the the typhoon oh, I, I love that stuff having sushi for breakfast it was great uh, there you go uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. I just don't eat shellfish, so I'm a weird one. Um, the, the sushi yeah. for breakfast is a little bit much. Uh, the, the They tend to eat sort of vegetables and rice and soup for breakfast, too, in Japan as mm -hmm, well. It's do. kind of weird. Which is fantastic. Did yeah. you guys have ramen? Oh, the way to go. The real ramen? Uh, no, we had fake ramen. We well, went to a fake like... ramen restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it different in the United States. And you had to fill in the little packet yourself. Yeah, yes. I was going to say the no packet zone. It was a, it, yes, it was a no packet zone. I Actually, ramen was one of the things we didn't have. We went to a, oh, wow. we went to a sashimi and sushi restaurant. We went to a tempura restaurant. We went to a shabi shabi restaurant. We, uh, But we didn't have ramen. Oh, darn. Because you can get a lot of good ramen in the United States. We can't really now you have get... to go back. 
Yes. Oh yeah. All right. I'm on my way. Hey, by the way, it was a really it, the plane flight. They fly direct from here. So yeah. I was really great. Seattle, like Seattle, and Portland, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, well, you have to change planes if you want to go to Chicago. The kids and I have been on that flight. You have. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I left some really important medicine in the uh, Delta Lounge in the Tokyo airport. So. And do they get it back to you? Nope. Really. Japanese are really good about that sort of thing. My friend uh, from Lexus, Mo Duran, left his wallet in a shopping cart in a supermarket and went to the airport, got on the plane. The supermarket found his ID and called all the hotels within like a a two or three mile radius, found his hotel, sent the wallet back to the hotel. The hotel found his home address and overnighted the wallet. So it arrived the next morning when he got home. Okay, that's just really impressive that's, that's the impressive. Jap- that's, that's the yeah. japanese man they're but they're meticulous honorable. about what yep. you bring over for sure oh yeah well they tell you not to bring all those things over well if you're diabetic i oh, know yeah. that you can't bring your needles over you have to get it cleared through the japanese council first well, i'm sure they have needles in japan well i mean you, you can probably get i know but you can't bring them from the united states right. <laughs> okay back bu- to cars then you buy them in japan <laughs> um, so you did the i ride I drove the Iris. So one of the things that we went with different manufacturers, one of the things I got to do was to drive all, all, all a bunch of the vehicles that will be at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, which includes that iRide, which is the motorcycle stroke car, which is it looks like the same as a motorcycle, but it's enclosed in a, and you sit down, you rather, rather than get on a saddle. Uh, the cool thing about the iRide, and I don't know if you've seen pictures of it, Perry, is it has two wheels at the front. And so when you go around a corner, it tilts to the left or the right. And you go around the corner fast and i got told off for going too fast around the test track because i the back wheel was coming off the yeah the back yeah shocking <laughs> the, the back wheel and uh, was coming off the ground and they were like nope stop it <laughs> so yeah right. it's probably not meant to do that no but, it wasn't uh, there, that japan has shown i mean a lot of the manufacturers have shown those little personal transportation type vehicles uh which it's an interesting way of going i mean and you know it probably works maybe better in japan than it would in the states but right. Uh, it is an interesting idea to have your own little pod-like vehicle to uh, cruise around town in. Well, I thought it was kind of weird about the the Tokyo Auto Show. They're showing off all these really cool, um, very cool uh, little like scooters and personal mobility devices that were very basic. But we have them all here already in the States. We have Lime and the Bird scooters and everything. And so we have a lot of those things already. I mean, they were showing three-wheel versions off that just, you know, stand up and bigger versions and things that you sort of stand on with feet side by side rather than front to back. Um, but we already have them. Yeah, but we're totally different countries too. I mean. Oh, we are? Okay. Well, good. I didn't know that. Well. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, that's sarcasm. Spa- yeah, space, <laughs> Nick. Space. Did you see the, the, the pod like vehicle, the larger ones at the Tokyo show? One no. of my favorite was the Suzuki Hanar, which is basically it looks you know from the outside when it's all closed up looks like a odd looking van, but inside all it is is like two couches and a flat screen TV, no <laughs> steering wheel, no nothing. The whole idea is the whole thing is autonomous, takes you wherever you want to go, and while you're going, you're lounging around watching television uh well you know that like i don't like that part i like a st- i like to be able to drive if i want to drive i guess that's that's yeah, my this one there's no option this is like a bus yeah. i was i was driving down but, the interstate the other day and i looked over and i saw this guy like texting with both hands i was like oh my gosh well what you is could happening? do that if you have one of these vehicles, well, he was in a tesla 
Oh, well, yeah, that's a whole different... We could go on about Tesla uh, drivers forever. Um, the Tokyo Motor Show only happens every two years. They had the Future Show there as well, which showed off vehicles which could be coming to market in the future. One of the ones that impressed... Well, a lot of drone-based ones, but there was actually two that really impressed me, and I don't know if you got a, uh, a, an opportunity to go over to the Future Vehicle segment, uh, Perry, but one of the vehicles that I was really impressed was a rescue drone, which has a cage underneath, and basically for those people that get trapped on the roof of their house in a flood or whatever... It lands next to you and you get in the cage and then it takes off and transports you. However, now imagine this. You're on a roof, Perry, in Seattle and your home is flooded and this thing lands on the roof. Would you get in it? No. <laughs> See, I think that's the I'm not problem. Ride in, a, in a cage hanging from something that someone else is flying. Right, right. So I think the problem yeah, is, yes, idea. they've come up with a great way to rescue people. But but if something landed on the roof and no one had communicated with me, would I get it? It's like if a spaceship landed, would you go inside it? Probably not. Uh, well, there's a cage. Get in. Would, would yeah. the, but the question is, would there be treats inside? Well, but perhaps that's what they do. If they put a bag of gummy bears inside or bacon. You probably get in. Well, right? see there, yeah, see, there you go. I mean, you know, if you're going to get trapped, you may as well be trapped for a good reason. The other thing I, the other thing I thought was great was there was looked like a wave runner uh, in the future tech area, but it actually had eight propellers on it, and the propellers faced okay. down, so it took off from the ground and was like a hovercraft. And you could actually yeah. sit on it like a wave runner, but then maneuver it, and it, it could go as high or as low as you wanted, which I thought was uh, was really cool. Did you drive like the fun. e-racer? No, I didn't see the e-racer. E-racer. No, did, did you see the e-racer, Perry? It's Toyota's. I did. I, th- I think that was the one at the Toyota stand. Um, and that was what was interesting at the Toyota stand at the Tokyo show, is if you had not been traveling with Toyota, which I believe you were, yes. um, you would think that Toyota did not bring anything right. to the Tokyo show because all that was there was the e-racer, right. of which there was very little information, but all they were showing were these like little scooter things and mass you know, uh, vehicles for you know, transporting people around the Olympics. Right. And so it, they had no production cars on their stand whatsoever. They, they actually had a separate stand, I think, with their production vehicles uh, somewhere else in the building, but their main stand had just the futuristic vehicles on it. Uh, the LF30, which we, we've only got like a minute to talk about now, but the LF30, which was Lexus's unveil, their new uh, Lexus's, Lexus eyes unveil, uh, their new vehicles. Uh, this is their all-electric vehicle of the future that has gullwing doors and will have drive-by-wise steer. And uh, the cool thing about it is a motor in each wheel. An electric exactly, motor in each wheel gives all sorts of possibilities for for driving, handling, um, and if it can do what the Mitsubishi can do, uh, it can actually reverse one of the wheels and spin in in one spot. No. Oh, dude, that's all. Awesome. Doesn't the NSX have motors in all wheels? No, no, it, it, they have motors on the axles, but not, not in, in the, the wheels. wheels. Inside These are the in wheels. wheels. Inside the wheels. Oh wow! The cool thing about this is, is you you, you have to ask if it has torque vectoring. Cause it, no, of course it does. Because it's like automatic torque vectoring in that vehicle. Uh, pretty cool. Perry, right. where can we read your stuff about uh, your visit to Tokyo? Well, as you mentioned, our autoexpert.com and uh, MSN as well as autonext.net. 
I want to next.net, of course, is Perry's site, but you can read all of his stuff on those three. Very interesting read, by the way, Perry. I have read your stuff from Tokyo. Uh, look forward to seeing you again in two years in Tokyo the next time. So much Me going too. on there. <laughs> Everybody's saying, yeah, we'll be there. We hope to be there. It's a fascinating city in love with so That's much. A long time from now. Yeah, well, I know, but I'm planning on it. I re- it's my favorite city in the world. Coming up, we're going to talk more about cool stuff that Megan's been doing on our Auto Expo. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest and southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on your smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen and Megan from mummytravels.net joining us in the uh, studio. So you have been test driving a couple of cars, Megan. I have. Most recently, I was in the 2019 Volkswagen Atlas, and today I'm in the 2020 uh, Toyota Tacoma TRD. In Army Green. Yeah, it's in Army Green. You know what? And when they first brought it, I was like, ew. I wasn't thrilled about the color, but really? it has really grown on me. Yes. It's a really good-looking truck. I like it. Uh, I drove the Forerunner TRD in Army Green hmm. this week in Dallas. And that's a special um, color, right? Just yeah, for Army the Green's new for 2020. Okay. I don't know if it's exclusive to the TRD lineup, but it's definitely new for 2020. They have... They have Four very exclusive new colors at Toyota. Three of them are amazing. One is hideous. Which ones? Let's get to the amazing (laughs) ones first. We'll save the hideous for last. Okay, okay. The amazing colors are the army green. I love it. I think it's great. They have a sand color, which looks like the army vehicles that you'll see Humvees. Ooh, I like that. It's sort of a uh, looks just like sand. I'm a very beige person. Yeah, but but it's it's a mattish color. So it looks matte. It looks like the vehicle is an army vehicle. So that sand color. And then they have a concrete color, which is a gray. But they've made this gray so perfect. It's somewhere between an iPod and concrete. So it's sort of a white light gray. You should go and look at it online. You can look at it online. I was looking at my phone. Um, I'm going to type in concrete color. Toyota. It seems like they've changed a lot of their finishes to the matte look instead of the glossy. Because I noticed like the rims. Have more so, of a matte look. So go look at this concrete color. It's They've done such a good job of it because it's got sort of tones of blue in it. It's got tones of concrete in it. It's got tones of iPod color in it. Uh, they've done a great mixture uh, of colors. Uh, I, I think they hit the nail on the head. They have a whole color... Uh, every car company has a whole color um, lab where the people work on futuristic colors and what those futuristic colors will look like. But the concrete color is because of the sort of the blue tinge it has to it is my absolute favorite of all the colors. And then the hideous one is that bright blue that doesn't appear anywhere in nature. I think it might be called TRD blue. It's so painful. I like that. I like it. Oh, I'm looking uh, at it. But oh, I like, but I my like eyes are being abused right now. I am being abused just by looking at it. No, Says the guy that it. wears fluorescent orange clothes sometimes. Yeah, well, I want to be seen when I'm working on the highway flagging. Well, fair enough. <laughs> that is fair enough. Uh, um, all right. So tell me a little bit about the Tacoma that you've been driving. Do you like the Tacoma? I love it. 2020, actually, they made some improvements. Now you have Apple CarPlay, Android Auto. You have a few things that weren't in the 2019. And it's bigger. Uh, the car should be the ex- same, same size as the 19. I wasn't expecting it to be bigger. Well, I looked it up because I, I heard a bunch of people complaining about like the... Uh, headroom. The, the headroom, yeah, the yeah, clearance. They, they, but apparently they changed the seat. Oh, the okay. seats are electric now. Right. 
And yeah. so you can lower the seat and give yourself like a, I don't know, an inch to two inches For all more. of us, I mean, I'm just looking around the room. It's a non-issue for For all of us tall me. people over six foot three, that's yeah. really tough. Oh, wait. <laughs> How tall are you, Megan? I'm 5'7". All right, you're the tallest one in the room. Just I know. You know. Just right now, you're the tallest it one in the room. It feels good. Does it? <laughs> the only time in your life? No, Wait, take those boots off. What do you got? The cow- you got these massive Texas cowboy boots on. I do. I'm wearing my cowgirl boots. Because I'm right. I mean, got, I'm, she's got a lasso I'm around I'm driving a Toyota Tacoma. I got to wear my boots. Wee- ew! Yeah. Uh, you you know, they're made... Uh, or in Texas? Toyota's headquarters are in Texas. Yeah. Plano. Yeah. Plano, and then Texas. The factory That's where I was. Antonio, right? That I was in Plano, Texas this week. I know. You're killing 30 me, degrees. 30 degrees. Uh, in Plano, Texas. I went down there not for the weather, clearly. But was it sunny? Uh, it was warm. Yeah, it was sunny. Yeah, it there was. you go. Yeah. Cold was, but sunny. All right. I'd rather have warm but rainy. Um, yeah. So what do you think? Would you buy one? I actually would, yes. It's interesting because that one is fully loaded and it's about 50, it's right under $50,000. Oh, that's a lot of money for a truck. Well, yeah, but a couple of weeks ago I was in the Chevy Blazer, yeah. which was also fully loaded, yeah, but which, which came in right under $50,000. Yeah, so, I think so that's for, way overpriced. So for the money, it's the Toyota Tacoma. You know the Tacoma holds its value. It's the third vehicle in the list of holding its value best in the United States. The Tacoma specifically? yeah. yeah. Wow, the Tundra, I, I is num- Tundra is number two and number one, Jeep Wrangler, baby. Number one and two, actually, Wrangler, two-door and four-door. So it's I guess they're three and four, technically. Um, all right, we're going to talk about the other vehicle that you've been driving as well. By the way, your son got a speeding ticket. Is that what you told me? Yeah, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I think. Oh, yes, right. Yeah. Right. How's he doing? Did he pay it? Not yet. He's going to appeal it. Oh, why? So. Because that wasn't a picture of him in the driver behind the driver's seat. Because he was going with the flow of traffic. Oh, yeah, that that works. I know. I was going like <laughs> ninety-five miles an hour, and I got pulled over by a cop. Did and you get a ticket? Yeah, he said, "Why are you going so fast?" I said, "I'm trying to keep up with traffic." He said, "There was nothing in front of you." I said, "Exactly, there's nothing in front of me." <laughs> you right. are traffic, Nick. Uh, I am traffic. <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk about a little bit about the uh, full-size seven-seater Atlas that you were driving, and then uh, I want to talk about a couple of other things that come up. So stand by for that. That's coming up on our Auto Expert as our show continues. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. Our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts are all our auto experts. Start a conversation with us, ask us questions, and uh, you will get answers. Pretty good at that, most of the time, anyway. Uh, Megan is with us from mummytravels.net, as well as Jen, our truck girl. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, VW. So as a brand, how do you feel about them? Both of you. I love Volkswagen. You do? Absolutely. Yes, big time. Uh, Jen? Um... They're middle of the road for me. For me, it's model by model, right? Yeah. So D- yes. I have to look at models. There's certain certain vehicles that I love, like the Golf GTI, and there's certain vehicles that... Well, um, I love what they did to the Jetta. I mean, the GLI is great, but the plain Jetta drives me nuts. The new one is nice. It's great. It's probably the best buy in America, I will tell you financially. Absolutely. What you yeah. get. Uh, right. But I, agree. I love the Passat for the legroom and the CC, or now called the Arteon. That's amazing. And I like the big SUVs. The Tiguan is great. It has a third row. It's a great vehicle, but I probably wouldn't own one. But I love the Atlas. I do too. I love the Atlas. And it is the only car in its class where you can fold the rear seat forward with a car seat in it and get to the back row. None of the others will do that. Which you think, who cares? But, I mean, well, you, you, you care deal. as soon as you have a car seat. Yeah, when you're dealing with the car seat 10 times a day, that makes a huge difference. So uh, People are very um, That's one of my favorite SUVs. Car seats. 
I drove the. I drove it last. I drove the. Uh, this is the seven seater we're talking about. Yeah, right? the 2018, a year and a half ago, through a blizzard in Tahoe. Right. Yeah. And I had no issues, and right. I mean the weather was horrible. So, it's just it's very spacious. I uh, I once had to sit in the third row with another person, and it was totally fine because all the seats move forward and backwards, so you can pretty much arrange it however. How you did need. you get to sit in the third row? I was with a group of people, so. I drew the short straw. It was like whoever's the most petite back row, off you go. No, I don't think so, but I have I, I can't remember. So there's one older journalist who will be who will remain nameless for this entire uh, segment of the show. But every time we're at an event, this person rushes, and it doesn't matter what car it is, he'll get in the front seat, and he's five foot six, five foot five, and he gets in the front seat of whichever vehicle is available. He'll go down it until he finds a front seat available. Honestly, I do that a lot. I get really car sick. Me too. It's not that. It's like there's guys who are six foot four or six foot seven or six foot nine like Brian Armistead. Oh, yeah. Who can't sit in the third row. And so they're relegated to wait to have the cars drop people off and come back and pick them up because there's just no way they can physically get into the third row. Yeah. If you get into a vehicle first, by the way, you always end up either getting the front seat or the third row. You have to get, you have to work way to get yourself into, have enough room to be able to sit in the vehicle, but sort of get into the pack portion of where you're the last person in, because then you always get the seat by the door. Oh, what am I talking about? It's like being a 12-year-old again when parents had a minivan, you didn't want to have to sit in the third row. Uh, It's much better now that the Atlas, of course, does come in this configuration where you have captain's chairs, because it's easier to get into that third row. Yeah, my kids like that a lot. We actually road tripped in it, so we we spent about six or seven hours in in the vehicle, and it was very, I mean, it's just spacious. It's laid out well. They liked it. I know you always look for certain things in the vehicle because you have kids that you take on a lot of road trips. And that includes, uh, you look for charging and vents in the second and third row. Yeah, you got to have you gotta have air circulation in the back row. But one of the things now, the kids really like having the heated, heated second row seats, which, I mean, come on, it's kind of indulgent. But they do enjoy it. Um, and yeah, charging is a huge deal, so... If you don't Huge. have charging, your kids start to complain and moan because they don't have iPods or iPads or yeah, iPhones. Yeah, then I have to talk to them. Does anyone actually have an iPod anymore? <laughs> no, no one does. No, I think iPods are done, right? But you've mentioned it like 10 times, so maybe maybe somebody will be like, oh, I Well, old people one. have iPods still. I like, have one of the very first original ones. The, the steam pad ones? No. <laughs> She's looking at me, is there a steam powered iPod? Like, no. <laughs> but it's been put away for a long time. Yeah, I, I probably did have one at one point. We got rid of it. I like the vehicles where um, you can sync two phones to the vehicle, and then you can they can they can play their music. Yeah, and they can like DJ from the back row. You can oh. do that in the Honda Pilot too. I feel like that would be trouble with your kids. Well, can, can you do that in the Atlas? It's funny. Each kid has their own taste in music. I can't remember if you could do it in the Atlas or not. I'm kind wow, of wow. When we were kids, we had to get creative. What, headphones. <laughs> I know in the Chevy Blazer, I was able to sync two game. phones. That way, Eden could play around music. Eden hates my music. She's oh. completely against gangster rap and only wants to listen to rock and roll. So, oh, she prefers to play her own. I'm kind of against gangster rap too, to be honest with you. Hey, well, I, love I know it. Uh, on our drives you across love the country, love you always it. Jen loves about it, it and you it. love it, Megan. Yeah. And you are like the most ungangster people I know. How do you know? 
I do know. <laughs> I've known you for long enough, In Jennifer In my next Jenkins. life, I will be a gangster. Will you? You're so unlike it. You go to church every Sunday. A you can be a gangster. gangster. She's a texting be a Texan gangster. Oh, Texan gangster. Well, I guess most people in Texas are gangsters. If you look at it like the that. Wild, right? wild the Wild Wild West. Oh, the Wild Wild West. That's a gangster song, right? Uh, oh, my God. I just like <laughs> the Volkswagen because it's... The price, man. The price is killer. To get a vehicle that big at that price, which you're about to ask me the price and I can't remember, but it's like maybe, maybe 35000 for a third row SUV. Which one are you talking loaded? about? The Atlas. The Atlas as actually starts at 30, 30, 31. 32. 32. That depends even, upon where you start. That's even no, better. And it can 30. tow, tow up to 5000 I got it right here. Yeah, but you add in delivery at 32. Oh. So like True. it's like a thousand dollar delivery. Yeah, okay. So thirty two thousand uh, dollars for for that, and that's but that's the four cylinder two wheel drive. So let's be honest, everybody well, wants a six cylinder four wheel drive, right? Mm-hmm. Right, which will put you at forty thousand. Yeah. But again, comparative, compare. What would you compare it to? Uh, there's a lot of cars. Like an Explorer. That, yeah, Explorer is a. How much is an all wheel drive? Explorer is more expensive than most other things. They start around forty. Okay. Well, no, wait a second. They probably start about 35. But the one I want, the Explorer ST, yeah. And we're talking about $50,000 starting price. Mm -hmm. So they're not cheap. Uh, they're not, you know, horribly expensive. I, and Explorers are kind of cool vehicles as well. There are a lot of vehicles in that class. And I can assure you the new Jeep Grand Cherokee is going to be a three-row, probably. The new uh, there's going to be several new cars that are in that category that are only two row right now and are going to end up being three row. So competitive against the Atlas right now, Subaru has the Ascent, but that only comes in a four cylinder with a CVT transmission. But it does have a bigger engine in it. I mean, it's a bigger version of the four cylinder engine. Uh, th my favorite, which is the V6, which is the Kia Telluride, and then there's the Hyundai Palisade, which both start at twenty nine thirty thousand, which is a lot, a lot less. Mm -hmm. I saw the Palisade on the road the other day. Yeah, that is a good looking vehicle. It is, and it's sort of more the Lexus luxury style yeah. of vehicle. They have those crazy warranties on them, don't they? Yeah, ten years, one hundred thousand mile power, powertrain warranty. Yeah. Um, so it's honestly, it's it's good. I mean, there is an awful lot mm -hmm. of good stuff. Whereas I think the the Volkswagen only has the four year warranty, right? Fifty thousand, four years. Uh, powertrain I think is six years, sixty thousand, okay. or seven years, sixty thousand. You'd have to go look it up. I don't remember the war. I, I barely remember price of vehicles. I definitely well, don't. You remember see warranties. so many, Nick. I'm surprised you can remember. I drive a hundred and ten vehicles a year. Drive yeah. at least, uh, probably a lot more than that. But That's a lot. minimum of one hundred and ten thousand a year. 110 a year. Um, <laughs> the, the closest I've come to buying a, a car for myself is the Volkswagen Atlas. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, don't you have a nice Honda Odyssey minivan from 1996? Oh, 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Well, it's got almost 200,000 miles on it. All right. Eventually, it has to be replaced. So. Oh, really? Yeah, Stop. one of these days. I'm still not really hearing why you shouldn't, you know, why you should replace it. But. It'll be interesting to upgrade because I'm going to go from zero technology to all the technology. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you, you have Bluetooth in your vehicle, don't you? No. You don't? That came out the next year. Do you, <laughs> do you have airbags? <gasps> yes, thank God. <laughs> you have airbags. <laughs> I don't in my truck. So one of my trucks. So. <laughs> really? No. The holy, 94. Holy cow. Which is awesome because I'm little. didn't have... Uh, vehicles that had airbags in them. I guess you know I did. 
but I didn't think about it. Well, I have to turn them off anyways because of my size. I, I just got a recall on mine to have that airbag replaced. In the Mini? No, in the Lexus. I can't keep up with all the cars you own. I know. It's confusing. <laughs> it's fun to drive up in his driveway. It's like, ooh, what has he got this week? What are we going to drive this week? Listen, I've been told no more dogs, no more cars, and no more something else. I'm not sure I can mention on the radio. Motorcycles? Handguns. I can have as many motorcycles, motorcycles? as I want. Yeah. That wasn't in the list of no mores. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I need to go have a talk with somebody. I'm no, you kidding. don't. No, you don't. Keep your mouth shut, lady. Like the technology I'm looking forward to is the simple things, like the automatic uh, windshield wipers. Yes. And the automatic came out high and beams. That came out in like 80-something. Whatever. It did. Toyota had that in the 80s. Really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I yeah. thought that was new technology. Rain-sensing windshield wipers, mm-hmm. I think, maybe, maybe in the 90s. Maybe the 2000s. I don't know. I didn't check. I think it was invented. No, the windshield wiper itself was invented by a woman. You know that? That makes sense. She was fed up of getting out the car and cleaning the window for her husband. So she invented the windshield wiper. You know wiper. what? Someone needs to come up with a wiper for some of these sensors. Like the automatic cruise control won't work if the sensor's covered up. Yeah. You're driving through bad weather. All right. And then I got to get out of the car and wipe it off. And if it's dirty, too. I was driving the Land Cruiser First across. World problems. <laughs> I was driving the Land Cruiser across Oregon <laughs> through really bad weather. And it just, I mean... It just got filthy, Tom so I had to keep pulling over and wiping it so off. Let's just back up a second here. You shouldn't have cruise control on in bad weather. Yeah. Because eh. it becomes more unreliable. Yeah. There was nobody I don't out- mind dying. There was nobody out there. It was like the only car Oh, on the road. you sound like, well, the, I, I, there was no one else on the road, so it was okay for me to use my phone. No. <laughs> no, Megan. The, the Land Cruiser, we, we, were, we went on a five-hour one-way road trip, and I could not figure out how to work the TVs. Okay. And I just about lost my mind. Doesn't, you know, I'm... What? How do you say that? Citroen? Citron. Yes. Citron it, means yellow. They came out with it in 1970. They introduced the rain sensitivity intermittent windshield wipers. Right. What? 1970. What year is your minivan, Megan? The 2007. Yeah, all right. It's so okay. It's 30, 30 odd years later. I always tell people don't buy a minivan. Just don't do it. Why? The Chrysler, the, 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 the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid is like the best vehicle it ever. It is. It's amazing. Ever. Ever.com. It is, but you're still driving a minivan. Uh, yeah, but it's cool. It's Some dads, let me just tell you, I have no, a friend who owns cool. a Toyota dealership and he drives a Sienna. He owns a Toyota dealership. Imagine what he could be driving. A Supra. And he owns a minivan. That's what he drives. So oh. cool people do drive minivans. Just some don't drive them that smell like bad mushrooms and come from 97 and their kids hate, <laughs> which is like yours. But, uh, <laughs> does it still wow. smell funny inside your minivan? Probably. Why don't you get a new car, Megan? Seriously. Because I get to test drive new cars all the time. So yeah, you bought your one. son... A, two- a Mustang. A 2014 Mustang. And you have a, a- 1903 after, minivan. After I said, how many times? I'm not buying you a Mustang. Right. And then I was like, eh, you, you know, only live once. You know, you know, like the level of what your son is allowed to do now has just gone out the window. He'll do whatever he wants now because he knows he can talk you into it. Yeah, but he's a great kid, so I don't really have to worry oh, about yeah. it. Well, Nate, what do you care? Guess he's amazing. All right. <laughs> Uh, if you want to listen to previous episodes of the show, I will tell you that you can go to our website, ourautoexpert.com. You'll find them there. All the episodes that we've ever done on the show. Um, I think 99.9% of them are there. We have a few uh, best ofs that didn't get up on the website. Uh, you can also watch some of our TV reports because we do a lot of Fox TV around the country. Uh, you can also 
Go read articles, which are written by our article team. If you want to find out about new vehicles, especially about the Tokyo Auto Show, Perry Stern's article is right there. You can find uh, some cool social media channels to follow, which happen to be ours as well. They're all our auto expert. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Pinterest, whatever. They're all there, lots of them. You can read all the latest new car news. We'll be back again next time. Until then, uh, please try not to get any more tickets. We're, we're about up to the limit now. See you then. episodes at rautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at rautoexpert and message us for a quick and witty response.